E-commerce simplified by scale up. Hello everyone and welcome to Scale Up's Ecom Simplified podcast. Hi. And today we absolutely need to talk. During the peak of COVID in 2020, this Shark Tank famous brand gained significant popularity among families and newborns. Despite a lot of inventory issues and a major topsy-turvy curve line among over the last, this brand rose to newer heights with enough empathy and strategic sum-ups. Now in today's episode of Ecom Simplified, we will be solving major curveballs when it comes to a sudden rise in the e-commerce world and how to make it steady with time with the super popular Dreamland Baby Co's founder and star mother Tara Williams. So let's get started without further ado. Okay, so the first question, uh what is your main point of inspiration behind this brand and this product? Uh how did you come up with this idea of working on something so niche and so unique? Yes, thank you so much. Um the it it this product is in a very crowded space which is swaddles and sleep sacks, but it's really different because it has a evenly distri- distributed weighted element like a weighted blanket. So I came up with this when my son was 6 months old. He was still waking up every hour and a half like a newborn and we had bought everything, we had tried everything, nothing helped him sleep. And then one night I put a heavy throw blanket on him on our couch and I noticed he immediately calmed down. So right away I thought he needs a weighted blanket. Obviously not something loose, but something that was wearable like a sleep sack. So the idea was very crystal clear in my mind of what the product would be. and then i went online to find it and i was shocked that there was nothing in a wearable fashion there were only loose weighted blankets designed for infants so i had my mother-in-law sew the first prototype um we got it about 2 weeks later and the first night he wore it he slept for 12 hours so it truly was this immediate miracle solution and he's almost 5 and still wearing weighted products today Wow, that's amazing. Uh so can you compare the performance of Dreamland Baby Co's before airing on Shark Tank after the episode aired and right now? Yes. It was a really interesting time for us because when I filmed, which was in September of 2019, it was only 3 weeks after I had launched the website. So I had been in production for over a year and a half and working on, you know, safety and clinical trials and marketing and you know, building the website and all of that, but I had just barely launched. So when I filmed, there wasn't a lot for them to beat me up on because I was so new. And then when the episode aired, it aired 6 months later in May of 2020, we were still a fairly new company. um month over month we were growing really fast at that point but it was definitely a pivotal moment for the company because we were so young and so small at the time that the sales from um the just the airing and how many people heard about it 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 really catapulted us into i would say fast forward us you know 2 years probably of where we would be if we hadn't been on the show because we were so new at the time Uh do you plan on taking Dreamland Baby to new spaces, stores and segments? Is retail the future of Dreamland Baby Co? And if yes, then what is your plan of action? Um so 
Yes. You know, we are in an interesting spot because we are in e-commerce and Amazon um, and retail now at this point. After we were on Shark Tank, Nordstrom reached out to us and was interested in carrying us in store. And then quickly after that, all the other retailers, once they saw us in Nordstrom, which is kind of the gold standard, they started to become interested in, as well. So we went into Nordstrom and then Bloomingdale's and then Target. And now we're really, I would say, everywhere, Babylist, West Elm, um, really anywhere you can think that sells baby. And But we are at our heart a D2C company, and that is how we launched. And really with a focus and emphasis on building brand, building community, organic social, connecting with our customers, really listening to them and hearing you know, they want a different color, a different size, something with sleeves, um, pajamas, different types of pajamas. And everything we do and everything we make is in response to customers' requests. I just think it's such a unique, exciting time in history where you can interact and speak directly with your customer. So I really prefer that um, over being in retail because we can make changes, we can be nimble, and we can really just address exactly what our customer wants. You know, when we make a sale through Target, while it's really exciting, we don't get to speak to that end user or that end customer. We don't know how to make improvements or, you know, what they loved best about it. Um, so we love being D2C. And in terms of going into new new places, um, I think going into 2023, we're, we're really looking to just strengthen each of the places we are, which is e-commerce, Amazon, and anywhere on wholesale. Uh, okay, awesome. Uh, do you think your journey could have been any different if you simply sold any other already existing baby product rather than coming up with this very unique one-of-a-kind product? Yes, definitely. And with pros and cons, the con of coming up with a new product is you're really creating a new category with a heavy emphasis on education. So when this first launched, people looked at it and said, I don't get it. Why? What does weight have to do? Why would you want to put that on? How is it helpful? Um, when I came up with the product in the summer of 2018, I did a lot of surveying. And at that time, still weighted blankets for adults weren't widely adopted in a non-clinical setting. So a lot of people hadn't even heard of the benefits of weighted blankets, and they completely didn't understand it. Now, on the flip side, we had a whole second segment of people that said, this is genius. I've been stacking heavy blankets on my baby. I've been using pillows. Um, you know, we've been co-sleeping and we don't want to, but because they like the weight of my body. So they really understood it. So for people who had the need and already had a baby that wasn't sleeping, they it was very clear and it resonated immediately. But there are still a lot of people who were pregnant and didn't have a baby and didn't understand, you know, why you would want weighted or hadn't heard of weighted blankets, like I said. And they just needed a lot of education, which was definitely different than, you know, if we had come out with pajamas with cute prints or something like that, it would be like, yes, we need pajamas because baby needs to wear pajamas to bed and it's obvious. So really our differentiating factor um, just required more education. And I wouldn't change it because it's been really exciting to understand and figure out how to advertise and market and really speak in a way that resonates with our customers and getting to 
better understand and know who they are and then speak to them in a way that they can understand and digest. So it's, it's been a lot of fun, I would say. So I, I liked that. Okay, awesome. On functions in comparison to your website, in regards of ROI, will you suggest other brands to incorporate selling on Amazon as well? If not, are there any major drawbacks over there? Yes, Amazon's an interesting one. I would almost say it's a necessary evil, if you will. Um, we did not launch on Amazon until the summer of 2021. So we had been in business for almost two years before we made the decision to go on. When I thought about Amazon, I looked at the fee structure and the percent that they take just to sell your product on their website. And yes, the return is much lower because they take such a high fee. And so I thought, well, why wouldn't we sell it on our website? And then also it's the community element. You don't have contact with your customers. You can't speak to them and hear what they loved, what they want to change, improvements they want to see made, um, surveying. You don't know who they are. You have no communication with them. I am very proud of our customer service team and our, our world-class customer service in answering sleep help questions, in answering how to wear the product, um, how to wash the product. If there's a return, if there's a warranty, like we are there to serve our customer. And just like wholesale, you lose that with Amazon. So I wasn't super interested in going on, but it became apparent to me that there is a good number of people who shop exclusively on Amazon. So if we're not on that platform, we really are just missing sales from that cohort of people who don't shop from social media or don't shop small at individual websites. They want to be on an Amazon um, to know that they're going to get the prime shipping or the guaranteed return, those type things. So we did launch on Amazon. Our introduction to Amazon was amazing. Um, it almost doubled our sales just out the gate because it, again, it was just this whole section of people that we weren't, we weren't reaching because we weren't on there. So, you know, the plus is you're going to get a lot of sales. The drawback is there are high fees, so you're going to make less profit on each of those sales. Okay, interesting. Necessary evil. Uh, that's a good keyword for all other brands to keep in mind. Uh, okay, so let's get back to the time when COVID had just hit and businesses started facing a lot of inventory issues. How did you tackle those challenges with such a new business in hand? Um, back to COVID. Oh man, we so we launched in September of 2019. And COVID really, in China, it was already there at that time. But in the U.S., it rolled out in, I would say, February, March of 2020. So more or less, it was all we knew. Um, I think with other businesses who had been established, you know, selling five or 10 years, they had a certain way to do things. They had predictability. They knew what the inventory cycles were going to be. They knew the customer's demand. And COVID really shook everything up. I look at it as a blessing that we launched when we did, because at this point, we are so nimble and quick to make changes and adjust. And that's because it's just 
the environment we were born into, if you will. Um, so for us, I really, I do think it's been a blessing. And as we've seen more changes come down the line in terms of iOS changes, um, and you know, anything with shipping with customer demand, with delays in getting the product to the end consumer, we've been able to really just be very nimble and none of that we looked as a setback. We just said, okay, here's a new challenge and let's find a solution. Um, but if I had been in business working and operating in a certain way for a long period of time and COVID came, I think that it could have paralyzed other businesses. And for us, it didn't at all. Okay, so innovation was essentially a bone for you. Uh, so if you could go back in time and change any of your previous decisions, uh, will you take that chance? And what exactly would you do differently? This is a tough one because I I really believe that um, live with no regrets and every, again, challenge that you face, it builds your character. And in the sense of a business, it builds, you know, resilience for the business. So there's there's nothing that I... At the, you know, at the time, everything seems really big. And in hindsight, you can look back and go, okay, that wasn't really such a big deal. Um, you know, one thing that I would say, I don't necessarily regret, but because it helped me learn every facet of the business, but I didn't hire my first employee until um, April, May of 2021. So I had run the business by myself for over a year and a half. And as soon as I hired that first employee, so director of marketing, it was a complete game changer. You know, we started rapidly hiring and that's when the growth really, really took off. So I think I hired too late, I would say, um, but it did force me to really learn social media, influencer management, how to build the website, customer service. I mean, I did everything by myself for, you know, over a year and a half and now I think I'm, I am a super hands-on founder and I really understand the challenges that each employee faces just because at one point I had done that role. So that's the only thing I would maybe change, but I don't regret it because there was a, a positive of me learning everything. That's amazing. Kudos to you for doing that, being a founder and moreover being a mom and doing that. That's absolutely insane. Yes. <laughs> Do you believe that one should stick to zero or minimal marketing efforts when their business is undergoing a lot of inventory or sourcing-based issues? This is a really interesting one because we we definitely ran into this at, and at the beginning, particularly. Um, I remember my first the first month I launched it was just it was September of twenty nineteen, and. I was not so naive to think if you will, if you build it, they will come, but we had done a Kickstarter in May and I always say we, but it was really just myself. Um, so I did a Kickstarter in May and I thought that we had sold, well, these people now around August, September, they were getting their product and I thought they're just going to love it so much and they're going to use it immediately. And then each of these, let's say 300 people are going to tell two people and then that's you know, 600 people, more people that are going to know about it. And I just thought it would be this snowball effect. But in reality, what I realized was during the Kickstarter, a lot of the people who bought it were pregnant. And because Kickstarter is um, 
not completely predictable when the product will arrive. It was people that said, okay, I don't need this for six or nine months. You know, it, whenever it comes, it comes. And so I thought we'd have this cohort of people who had used the product right by launching. And a lot of it wasn't being used or it was being gifted for baby shower gifts and things like that. So we really were, even though we had a little momentum from the Kickstarter, when I launched the website, it really was launching at you know zero. We didn't really have an email list. Um, and that's just because I didn't, I didn't know all that much about marketing. Um, and the first month, I'm trying to remember the exact stats. I used to know it, but it was something like, I think we had sold $3,000 worth of product in the month. And while I was proud of that, I thought, geez, I've worked on this, you know, now over a year and market development and research and the safety and all the pieces and, and I'm launching it. $3,000 a month is not going to cut it. Um, and then the next month I thought, okay, nobody knows about us. So how can they find out? So I hired a marketing agency and we ran some Facebook and Instagram ads. And then I hired, I think it was maybe five influencers. They were small micro influencers. I sent them the product for free and I asked them, you know, try it for a few weeks. And if you like it, then you can share it on social media. This is no, um, I don't even think I paid them commission. Like there was no obligation. It was just like, here you go. What we would call now product seeding. At the time, I didn't really have a name for it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I thought, okay, I look at influencers and I buy what they have and I see ads on Facebook and that's how I know about it. So it just seemed intuitive. Um, I, I don't really have a ton of experience in marketing, but it just seemed obvious that that's what we do. So we did that. And then my second month in business, we had $30,000 in revenue and we basically sold through all of our inventory. So then this was back in the day when you could get you know, things door to door in 20 days for $2,000. Um, and so then I just, I ordered more and I did fast shipping and I got it here quickly, but then I was playing this game of catch up. So we would pre-sell something and then it would be on its way. And as soon as it arrived in the door, we would ship it all to customers and basically we would ship through everything. And I kept ordering larger and larger orders and I was thinking, there's no way we'll sell through this. And so on my third order, I thought, okay, this is six months of inventory and it sold in one month. And so it, it just kept going that I, I couldn't almost believe the, how quickly people were adopting it. And then after that first month, people were telling other people, like what I thought was going to happen from the Kickstarter started immediately happening. And that snowball effect was beginning. And it's because this product works so well, so immediately, and is so different than anything else on the market. I mean, we really don't have any competition when I look at it. We do have a utility patent, which again, makes it super unique. Um, so that's going back to the question of, you know, would we rather have something different or an existing product? And long-term for us, it's so much better to have this differentiated product that's protected by a really strong utility and design pat pattern, actually. So it gives us a, a competitive edge because we're in a way a monopoly. If you want this type of product, like we are the person you're going to come to. So when you have a friend that says, I haven't slept for six months, two years, some people, right? 
And I tried this product and it was just the little extra that my baby needs to help them feel calm before bed and then fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. You are going to buy that. No questions asked. And so that's, that's how I think we've had so much of our success. It's really been word of mouth. Um, and that's always the, the gold standard that every business hopes is because word of mouth is free. It doesn't cost anything. So we've been able to be extremely profitable even from our first month in sales. Okay, amazing. Uh, how are you preparing Dreamland Baby for the year 2023? Are there any new innovative strategies put in action or in going the old school ways? I said 2023 is a really interesting year. I think from this will be our, you know, I really look at like our, our fourth full year in business. And this is, I am most excited about this year. Um, you know, at the end of the previous year, I always do an audit and I look back and I say, okay, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And we spend a lot of time forecasting and planning and what are we going to change? Who are we going to hire? What strategies, what, you know, apps or um, agencies are we going to tap into? And this year, I'm just so incredibly excited because we really, really um, have hit our stride with product development and interacting with our customers and surveys. And we've gotten to a place where everything we're making is in direct response to exactly what they want. And we're going into different product categories, which is super fun and exciting. Um, admittedly, I'm not a creative. I was a finance major in college and I just want to look at numbers all day. Um, but I have been enjoying the creative process. I actually choose and create all of the patterns that we make and the prints and the colors and the Pantones, which for anyone listening is probably shocked because, you know, I was not um, the art person in, you know, growing up or I, it's just never been, it's never been something I've been good at or enjoyed. Um, but it is really a fun kind of break from doing the analytics part is to be able to have both sides. So we're coming out with really a heavier focus on just fun, beautiful, timeless, classic prints that people are really going to like and enjoy, um, a heavier focus on some other product categories, and a couple new products that um, will be out later this year that I'm super proud of. One we've been working on for a year and a half, um, and I think it's going to be really going to shake up the market. So we're excited. We have some fun things. And you know, we're really going to put a heavier emphasis on customer retention and, and lifetime value of customers with these new product categories um, versus what I would say an old school way and how we've grown was really focusing on customer acquisition and heavy marketing. So you'll probably see a little less of that from us this year. And if you are a customer, some more emails. Um, but that's, yeah. And so in terms of like innovative strategy, I wouldn't say anything we're doing is crazy innovative. It's just more adjusting to where the business for us is now. All right. Is there any other social media platform besides the usual ones, Facebook, Instagram, that you want to get onto for a greater reach? Is there anywhere where Dreamland has recently joined? So... This is really interesting because they're so, you know, prior to, I would say last year, Facebook and Instagram were the dominant places where you were going to go to consume information, to see 
what an influencer is wearing or buying or traveling and really to get inspiration. Um, we've seen such a huge shift go over to TikTok and that feels and is like the wild west. I have yet to come across someone who has figured it out in either organic or paid. Um, it seems almost random. And I've been pretty disappointed because we post two to three times a day and we still have not had that viral moment. Everybody says, you know, if you post, if you continue to post and you're consistent, you know, something will eventually go viral. So we still have our fingers crossed that we're going to have a viral moment. It hasn't happened yet. Um, something that I am interested in that is old but new is YouTube shorts. So they have been putting quite an emphasis on creators and making a creator marketplace and making that um, easy for creators to get found, seen, paid. So YouTube shorts is somewhere that I definitely want to keep an eye out. Um, everything is going toward video. So as a consumer, that's probably, you're probably seeing that every, you know, anybody, I would say maybe not necessarily friends you follow, but any creators, they're moving toward video. You're going to see brands showing video. Um, I think there's pros and cons. Like I, I really like to go on Instagram to find out things like, um, you know, for the fashion side, I, I don't really like to think about my wardrobe and I like to just look at what somebody's wearing and then, you know, buy the same thing. And so with the videos, it's hard to actually see what they're wearing. Like I would rather have just a still shot. So I don't know. I mean, videos is happening in the moment, but then that's my perspective as a consumer on, I would rather have some still shots, but everything seems to be going to video. I think as a society, um, our attention spans are just getting shorter and shorter and people want to consume multiple minutes down condensed into, you know, five, 10, 30 second clips to really understand the information. So I, I would say everything is video, possibly YouTube shorts. Um, one, one thing that I always thought was interesting is Pinterest, especially for my brand, which is in the baby space and where women are the predominant users on Pinterest and they, um, you know, during pregnancy spend, have nine months really to forecast their baby, if you will, and can think of a dream nursery, a dream um, diaper bag list to bring to the hospital, things of that nature. And you would think that that would be a huge driver for, for revenue and for conversions and for eyes to the site. And it, it is just the oddest thing because I have several friends who own baby brands that we've become friends now over the years of both having these businesses. And it's never worked for anybody I know. I've never heard of anyone that's like, oh yeah, Pinterest is super successful. You know, we have a two X conversion. And so that's, that's one of the oddest ones to me, why it doesn't convert or work. And it's like, people are going to dream not to buy. So that's nothing new. Um, but just an interesting, um, thought. Another thing that I'm seeing a lot of chatter about is these different, um, I, I guess you'd call them like chats. So not within Instagram, but chat platforms. I'm trying to think of, of the name of one of them. I know my influencer manager keeps bringing it up for our influ influencer community, but where they have these, um, it's like a group chat essentially, but it's through different platforms. So it's basically taking the 
community feel and community engagement off of places like Instagram and Facebook, and then bringing it in-house into your own control, I guess. So it's something that's on our radar, but we're not necessarily, we don't have immediate plans to pursue. Uh, okay, so what are the sources you use to get to people for your influencer campaigns? Uh, TikTok or Instagram, what, according to you, gives better ROI? Yes. Um, so what source? So um, for our influencer campaigns, we use a program called Grin. It's a platform that helps source influencers. And it's really, I wouldn't even say source. I would say it's influencer management. So if you are looking to scale a program, it's really difficult to do to reach out, to interact, to engage, to send emails. Um, and then once, you know, they're going to tell you, okay, I'd like, you know, my baby's four months old. So I would like the zero to six month in the ocean blue. And then you have to go back and forth a couple times to get the order and then go into the, into, we, we run on Shopify, go in there and input the order, input their address, send the product, and then ask them, did you receive the product? So there's a, a ton, a ton, a ton of steps. And when you have a small program, it's easy to do on spreadsheets or, um, you know, not even a spreadsheet. You can just send them out. But when you start getting to want to have, you know, 50, 100, 200 plus influencers or affiliates in your program, you really need a program management tool. So Grin, I think, does a really good job. They've had some major changes recently, as I understand all the platforms have with privacy iOS type things where not everything can be connected. So those are becoming harder. And we actually might go back to using ex exclusively spreadsheets. We do a, a little bit of a combination now. Um, and then in terms of TikTok or Instagram, it depends on what we're trying to achieve. So if we're looking for brand awareness, TikTok is definitely going to be a better space because you have way more views, way more eyes, um, and you always have that chance of going viral. But it's, like I said, very... Instagram is a little bit more steady where you have people who have been on the platform for, you know, five or 10 years who have grown an authentic following or not, but you have tools to see, okay, this following is engaged, they're authentic, they're real, um, and you can discern or they have a bunch of people that follow them but don't really pay attention or don't look at their stuff or don't respond when they share something. So you have, I, I would just say, a better you're going to go into things knowing better what the outcome is going to be. And the algorithm is a lot different for Instagram, where it's going to serve the people who follow you, your content, where TikTok serves more. Again, I, I would use the word random with TikTok in, like I said, paid or organic capacity. It's really just random. Um, so Instagram, you're definitely, you know, if you pay somebody $1,000, you're going to have a very clear you know, I know this is going to bring in 2,000 or 10,000 or 500, but you're going to go in with just more clear data. So when we are looking to do more revenue, we're looking on Instagram and brand awareness. We're looking at TikTok. Okay, amazing. Uh, we're, we're almost at the end of the podcast. Um, one last question. One takeaway or advice you want to give out to every marketer or brand owner out there? 
Um, I would definitely speak to the brand owner because I'm more of that than a marketer. And my advice, you know, I, I was thinking about this before the before we got on the call, I, and, and I'm looking up because I have this board in my in my office, and it says the difference in winning and losing is most often not quitting. And that's actually a quote by Walt Disney. And I love it so much because there are so many hard days. A lot of people leave their nine to five and they think, oh, they're going to have freedom. They're going to be able to go on vacation. I've never worked as many hours as hard as, you know, taking my work into the evening, into the weekends, into every conversation I have with friends and I have when I've owned this business. And nobody is going to be a harder boss on you than you will yourself. No one will ever care about the business as much as you. And so, you know, it's, it's, while it feels really hard, I heard another quote that says, businesses don't fail, owners give up. And I, and I just think it's so true because there's so many times that I've been faced with something really big and I thought, I, I can't do this. Like, I'm not going, the business is going to fail. I'm going to fail. Like, I'm not equipped. I have imposter syndrome this issue is too big for me to handle. Like, I don't know how to do it. Um, so it's really just every day, not quitting every day saying this, you know, is a product people need and love. And for my business, we have so much affirmation through getting customer reviews and people will write us and say, you know, this saved my life. This is a game changer. It's a godsend. It saved my marriage. Right. When you're not sleeping, you can't function in any other area of your life. So I read those reviews. And when I'm having a down day or a down week, like it really gives me strength <laughs> that what we're doing matters and it's making a difference and we're helping people live their best life and not to give up because this product is needed in the world and your company or brand is needed. Um, and so just keep going when it gets hard and surround yourself with people who can uplift you. So I have a group of mothers that are business owners in the baby space. There's five of us and we've become really good friends over the years. We all launched right around the same time. And it's just, it's been amazing. You know, when someone's having a bad day or Shopify down, you know, or are you guys seeing great numbers this week or bad numbers? Like we can all compare and, and talk and share these struggles that we have um, specifically as women business owners or mother business owners. So depending on who you are, like find your tribe and lean on them. And then just when you hire people, surround yourself with people who are better, smarter than you. Um, so that is a lot of information, but that would be my overall takeaway. Don't give up and just surround yourself with good people. Uh, wow, that was amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. You are not just a superstar parent. You are a fiery entrepreneur who is pumping red to take Dreamland Baby Co. to unimaginable heights. Your industry episodes and advice are extremely valuable to the industry itself. And we, can, we can't wait to see you reach new heights. And for our listeners, we're sure this was a fantastic time filled with a plethora of experiential tips and tricks. And be sure to keep an eye out for all future episodes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.